0: Welcome to Country Fried Rock. I'm your host, Sloane Spencer. This week, our pal, Alan Thompson, a Country Fried Rock alum from our very first season, comes back via a little bit of a touchy cell phone connection. It's Alan Thompson of the Alan Thompson Band, their new album coming in the next year, Brace Yourself.
1: My guest today on Country Fried Rock is Country Fried Rock alum and now my personal good buddy, Alan Thompson. Welcome.
2: Hey, it's good to be here, Sloane. Thank you.
1: You know, not to be trite or silly or anything, but in your case, it's good to be here on a lot of different levels.
2: Yeah, as Keith Richards always says, it's great to be here. It's great to be anywhere. <laughs> That's definitely been a uh, it's been a long, hard few years for not just me, but everyone in the band. We've did a lot of really adult stuff this last couple of years. So about a year ago, I was swimming out at Percy Priest Lake, and there's these really tall cliffs, and we are growing up in the mountains. Living right on the New River, I would always done the gorge swimming, cliff jumping and stuff. And so I uh, was doing what I normally do and I guess did it wrong and broke my back. And I'm uh. not really sure because it was a 50-foot drop into 50 feet of water, so there wasn't really like anything hard there for the impact other than just the impact. I think probably it was one of those reflex things where my obliques and back muscles tensed up before I even hit the water, and that's Mm -hmm. what crushed my T12 vertebrae.
1: Holy cow. Thankfully, there were people there, and they were able to get you out of the water.
2: Yeah, because that T12 is the the one that's the bottom of your rib cage, you know, I just thought I had the wind knocked out of me because all the pain was on my diaphragm, and so I I Mm. swam back to the boat, and it wasn't until I was trying to climb up the ladder that I realized my arms and legs weren't going to work together and that something had happened. Yeah, it was bad. And then I was in the hospital for about a month after that, just trying to recover. Hey, this is Alan Thompson. You're listening to Country Fried Rock. Uh, Look for new stuff from us at alantompsonmusic.com. Our new single, Long Time Thinking, will be on all your favorite music playing apps on September 9th.
1: Holy cow. So a medical catastrophe like that is something nobody ever wishes for. But as an independent musician, I mean, it's, almost worse because then you're out of work as well
2: yeah there was no day job bartending there was no playing i mean i had to relearn how to play to hold a guitar on my back was a couple of months after i got out and you know on top of that i didn't have insurance and so i am just getting bill after bill after bill after bill and getting more and more scared every day it was it was tough it was really tough and luckily as far as the medical bill part goes with the help of Music Health Alliance and Music Cares, I was able to get charity. So I'm still paying on a little bit of it, but that's down from two hundred and thirty thousand,
1: so holy cow. Yeah. Then it's not just the physical recovery, but the weight of that emotionally is enormous.
2: Well and that's something that I really didn't couldn't take into consideration, you know, until really probably about a couple of months ago and then I realized just how much, you know, I guess for lack of a better diagnosis like PTSD there was in terms of triggers from the accident itself, you know, just all of these things the bills, like there's pretty much no way to feel more isolated than to not be able to walk or play your guitar or do anything and I didn't realize until probably about a couple of months ago how severe it was you know, you're trying so hard to get back to your normal self physically that, you know, once people see you out and see you walking around and, you know, you can go and have beers or whatever then it's, oh, he's fine it's like, well, no, mm-hmm. man, I'm not. I'm a total mess, but but I, yes, I am moving. You did see that. That's right. true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My experience was that it wasn't until everything was physically okay that suddenly it all kind of crashed down on me. Because it was like once everything's physically okay, then you can, like, give yourself the emotional space to even think about it. And then it's just like, holy crap.
2: Yeah. I'm really lucky in that one of our band members, Clint Main, a month after I got out of the hospital, he had an accident and <laughs> broke his back as well. And so, you know, we kind of were able to go through a lot of stuff together. And then, you know, there's a, a few folks around town, you know, my roommates, uh, Laura Yumetz and Terry Rickards were, were there to help. And Lauren Spratlin and Elizabeth Cook and, and Rory Carroll all definitely stepped up and, and did a lot to take care of me as well. So it, it was tough, but it was, I was really lucky to have that support network that I had.
1: When bad, bad stuff like that happens, it, the friends that show up and do it are a whole different
2: breed. Exactly. And, you know, these are all very sweet people who are also going through a lot of difficult things or had gone through a lot of difficult things around the same time. And so, you know, we were definitely all there for each other Yeah, I'm super thankful for that.
1: In the mix of all of this, where did the record fall?
2: Well, well, Clint and I finally had a lot of free time where we weren't working (laughs) our day jobs and and we weren't able to be on the road. And so me and him and Grayson just sort of sat with each other as often as we could and finished up all the stuff we'd been sort of playing around with. And then, you know, we realized we had about eight or nine songs. And then um, Robbie Crowell, and Dean Jackson reached out and said that they wanted to produce whatever we were working on and so we booked some time at Battle Tapes and just went on in. Because Clint and I didn't really know how long we could last every day or anything like that. You know, a lot of friends came to supplement and so it's 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 a weird thing. I look at, you know, records especially One's made in Nashville, and you know, when you see a bunch of famous names on them, you kind of are like, oh, okay, well, you just cashed in all your favors. And I guess we kind of did that, but we didn't ask. Everyone just right. sort of start, started showing up, <laughs> um, you know, in that very southern way, like when someone dies or someone's hurt, you know, they kind right. of bring food or whatever. Well, they just, you know, brought their instruments and, and, and their talents. So that's a heck we got of a lot really natural. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd had enough green bean casserole, by the
1: way. <laughs> so you and I had hung out well before this happened, and we're just talking in general, like, non-specific terms about what a next record might look like. And at the time, you were saying, I think I might want to do something a little bit different. How did that end up happening since it all came about quite differently, I think, than you anticipated?
2: Well, we had been already trying to do stuff that was a little bit weirder and a little bit more mm. rock and roll. There were influences that we all shared that we weren't really sharing with our audience, specifically Big Star, R.E.M., and The Grateful Dead, and we just felt like we weren't doing ourselves or, or our audience any favors by try- by attempting to ignore how much we love those bands and how much we wanted to do something in those in those same veins and so with this record and with this song cycle, we definitely were like, you know, let's show that off as best as we can. And I think that we did. You know, we had started doing some R.E.M. tunes. We'd play uh, Fall On Me every once in a while. and um, I love when you sing
1: that. I love it.
2: That's maybe my favorite time to be a singer. I love singing that song.
1: I've heard you perform that before, and I was like, this is a religious
2: experience. Man, thank you so much. That means... That means a lot. I, you know, I think about like being a kid and watching that Unplugged from 91 and that moment on the second chorus where he's just like so into it that his eyes roll back in his head, and you're just like, oh, my God, yep. I could not be more in love with Michael Stipe. Like He's a mate. On oh, so
1: many levels, absolutely.
2: <laughs> he's such a special dude.
1: Now that you're physically recovered and the record happened and friends came from near and far and it helped make that happen, it's been a little while since it's been – wrapped and you've been out and about a lot
2: yeah clint and i kind of both decided that once we were recovered it was important for us to just be doing as much as possible and be as visible Mm. as possible after being hidden away for so long i picked up a side gig in this um grateful dead cover band called the stolen safety and Oh, it's the best, man! I I love playing with those guys so much. And playing those songs and really digging into studying Bob Weir and his mm-hmm. style of guitar playing and his writing style and all of that. Like I'd always been, like everyone, the Jerry guy. And in Nashville, like I'm definitely not a good enough guitar player to be the Jerry guy. But then I started realizing that those rhythm guitar parts are difficult. He is an amazing guitar player, and the fact that he's still so innovative and so fresh and on top of it at 68 just blows me away, Mm -hmm. and I I can only hope to keep that up for myself.
1: The record is not out yet. That's going to be a special thing coming down the road, but there's a single coming out with some pals. Tell me about that one.
2: So uh, Mark Fredson, who wrote a lot of the tunes on, or co-wrote a lot of the tunes on the new Margot Price record and was in Mm -hmm. this amazing band called The Lonely H that's defunct, but at the time, I mean, well, all, all the players are either in Nicky Lane's band, or Henry Wagon's band, or did some time with Sturgill as well. Mark Fredson and Alex Caress, who um, has a record coming out with his great group, Little Bandit, but he plays piano for Adia Victoria now.
1: Wow, lots of overlap here with people we know.
2: Yeah, so the three of us wrote this song, and basically, the two of them wrote this song, and I just came back into the house, and they were having step points and I sort of helped him fix it and I was like man I really want my band to record this song you know it's 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 a tune about divorce and I had just gone through one when we wrote it and there was just a lot there that I felt like I wanted to say and when it came time to make the record Aaron Lee Tashim was in the studio already to help Clint and I out if we got tired but he's got this really great Keith richards sensibility about him and this song kind of lent itself to that and so we just sort of let him take over on the guitars and then elizabeth cook and i were talking about the record and i was telling her about this song and she had mentioned that you know on her record she had a tune that she had written with todd snyder about her divorce and then on the new hard working record there was a duet with todd about his so i was like well would you like to uh sing with me on online <laughs> and she said yes and I couldn't believe it and and it's amazing I can't believe how well our voices blended together I mean I guess I can you know because she's a good bud and she's one of my favorite singers but it turned out perfect and she uh actually like changed the last line of the song and I think that that's sort of what makes the song is is that vulnerability in her voice and you know when she says people are it's really mm. kind of beautiful. <laughs> I had walked out of the room for a minute because I was still kind of not believing the surrealness of the entire situation. And and I came back in and Jeremy Ferguson, the engineer, was like, God, you've got to listen to this man and played it. And I was just like, oh, my God, I've never loved Elizabeth Cook more. <laughs> She's amazing. Oh,
1: that's so great.
2: The best, man. I can't say enough good things about her.
1: You know, Aaron Lee Tejden's new record, Silver Tears, and Elizabeth's record, Excellence the Venus, was doing really well, and just so much going on.
2: Well, we had a day back in February where Lauren Spratlin. Uh, who is Elizabeth's tour manager, and Aaron Lee and me and Elizabeth and Dexter all sat together once we had finally got our final mixes. And we listened to the new Hardworking Americans and the new Elizabeth record and Aaron's new record and ours. And it was like uh, when regular people are watching sports, you know, like we were just like <laughs> jump up and cheer. And it was crazy because we had all made these things independent of each other, but around the same time and all right. the- through similar experiences, and it was just so wild to hear how much the four of those records sounded alike. I mean, they don't, in the sense that, like, you can tell who's who for sure, but there's right. so many little similarities in, in all four albums, and that really gave me a lot of hope and a lot of encouragement because obviously, I mean, I look up to the three of them so much, you know, and care so much about what they're doing all the time because they're so mm-hmm. talented. And so it was nice to know that, like, we were all kind of on the same page. And I remember asking, I was like, what are people going to do with this? And Elizabeth just goes, honey, they're going to do whatever we tell them to. So I was like, right on. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Because this,
1: I think this sounds, uh, for certainly for Elizabeth's record and for Aaron's record, I think were unexpected for people who only knew them through their previous albums.
2: Right. The same, you know, can definitely be said for Todd and for myself, even with that first hard working record that was the covers and stuff. And this is still weirder than that. And, I, you know, I don't for think sure. anyone really was expecting it. But, I mean, I think for my money, that's the best thing that Todd Snyder's done. I, I mm-hmm. love that new hard working record.
1: I love it. And I guess I don't have any inside information at all, but I guess that I thought that that project was was solely for them as a collection, a collective, to be able to do whatever they wanted. So for me, the only reason that one wasn't as unexpected was because I didn't
2: know what to expect anyway. Which is totally understandable. That's probably kind of where most people's heads were at with it, because it seemed like just sort of a fun side thing that they were all doing mm-hmm. to to blow off some steam. And then when they made this very serious, very beautiful album and then decided they were going to like really get out there and tour behind it, that, I think that took everyone by surprise in a super amazingly beautiful way. <laughs>
1: When you broke your back, how do you navigate, what do you do? I I mean, I know that there were groups that ultimately were able to
2: provide some help and support to you, but how do you even find them? Being in Nashville as long as I had, and I'd done volunteer work with this group that you go and you play for people that are in the trauma unit and stuff like that, and so through them I was kind of already tapped in with Music Cares and the Health Alliance, but then also through Shyla Morrow and Polly Parsons, like they do a lot of work with music hairs and so they, you know, got me in touch with them as well. I already knew that I had a network of people. It was just a matter of like when am I going to be able to get out of this hospital bed to start reaching out. I like, I never knew it wasn't going to be okay. I just, I just it's I'm a very impatient person, so it took me a while to like
1: get to the <laughs> point
2: where it was actually okay and I and I knew it, you know.
1: The thing that it made apparent for me, not living there and you're know, not being involved in the day to day life with my friends who are in Nashville was that not everybody has knowledge of what do you do when things go really, really, really wrong. Like, how, who do you reach out to? Who can actually help?
2: And that was kind of the thing. I try to be a fairly independent person anyway, and I didn't know who to reach out to, you know. It was one of those things where I just kind of had to watch it and see and figure out and learn who my friends were and who they weren't. Mm. And that was just real lucky that I had a core group of buds that, that were just right there and on right. top of it, you know.
1: We've had it over the or so. And yeah. kind of ended up coming up with a plan to have a fun night that gives back in a very direct way. Talk a little bit about what, what we've got up our sleeves.
2: You had approached me about doing a benefit for Nucci's space, programs for the kids who don't like sports to be able to learn more about music and performance. And, you know, that kind of thing is always something that's been very important to me. And having lost two people that raised me to mental illness and struggling with it, you know, on a daily basis myself, that's obviously something that's very important to me as well. And so, you know, of course I wanted to reach, I wanted to do that and and do something good for them. And, you know, I got to thinking that Nashville's sort of nickname has always been the Athens of the South, which is cute because there's already an Athens in the South, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, You know, and I thought about how much, you know, I loved REM and and the B-52s and how You know, sweet and kind, the folks from Widespread had been to me, you know, after the accident and stuff, and I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we put together a band and just had a bunch of guest singers sing their favorite Athens band songs and just have it be like Nashville salute to Athens. And then I was lucky enough to run it by uh, Thayer Serrano, who had just moved here from Athens, and also teaches at the rock camp at Nucci Space, and she agreed to put a band of Nucci Space campers together to be the backup band, so it's an actual Athens band backing us all up, and which is, I can't be happier about that.
1: I'm so excited about this. I can hardly stand it.
2: It's going to be so fun. It's just going to be the best. I'm so excited.
1: It's going to be awesome. Like, okay, so the camp Amps, camp Amps is what they call their kids' rock camp. So the Camp Amps mm-hmm. band is going to be the actual band or players from that band that it's going to have there. And there's all kinds of, you know, the thing about mental health care in the music community and anything that assists, you know, access to being able to play is obviously all of us who are into this kind of thing really care about that and intimately know how much it matters. And so it's been one of those things that everyone I've mentioned it to has been like, yeah, how can I help?
2: Good. It makes me feel so great to see stuff like that, you know. And when I'm having my own bad days, you know, or meltdowns or whatever, you know, I can think about the fact that there are that many people that do care and do get it and do want to help, and it makes it a lot easier for me to to get get along, for sure.
1: Mm, Totally. And especially because I live in South Carolina and I'm not surrounded by the community of people with whom I actually work, I get isolated in a different kind of way and. I don't, I'm like, does this even matter? And then when I, we're doing stuff like this, it's, I'm like, oh, holy cow, this matters because this is where all these great people and I have connected over the years. And so it does matter, you know, it matters on a, on a greater level. And so I'm super psyched. People are going to be able to come and eventually we'll have tickets on sale. It's going to be happening at the Basement East on October 20th, Thursday night, playing tickets are cheap, hotels are cheap. Come and join us. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I hope we sell out. I hope it's amazing. If it's just me and there in the audience, it's going to be the best night of my life.
2: I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited to sing the tunes I'm singing and to hear everyone else's take on, on everything. And
1: it's going to be
2: awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited.
1: It's going to be super fun. We've got lots of special guests coming. We can't wait for you all to be there. I mean, obviously, anybody who knows me, when they say Athens, they think REM because, of course, that's my core, but there's so right. much in the, the music history of that area. I mean, Chuck Levels' band, C-Level,
2: from the 70s, all kinds of stuff. You know, Jimmy Knowles produced my first record. That sort of section of making an Athens family has, has always been super important to me, and I mean, and that's kind of how I met and started to fall in with the widespread guys because of Buck, who was really good friends with Jimmy, and, and Dave Pinkston, and, and that whole Capricorn crew.
1: I can't wait! I can't wait for everyone who's listening to come and join us. It's going to be such a cool
2: night. Oh yeah, no, it's, I'm I'm so excited for it, and I'm so excited to be able to pay tribute to all of those bands that that have been so instrumental for better or for worse <laughs> in, in, in what I do.
1: What do you have going on for the next couple of months?
2: Well, we um, are playing at the Americana Showcase Wednesday night at Acme after the awards show, which. Oh, only fantastic. four blocks from the Ryman, so everyone should walk straight there as soon as they're done That's right. watching Bob Weir receive Thanks. his Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> and so I'm excited for that, and uh, we're, Becca Mancari is playing before us, and she's just an angel and one of my favorite singers, and so she's actually going to uh, sing with us that night and do the duets that I do with her oh, cool. on the record. Yeah. So I'm, oh, so cool. I'm so psyched for that. It's going to be real fun. We've got some fun surprises. It's gonna be good. And then after that, just touring. A lot of a lot of a lot of dates coming up mm-hmm. in October and November. Clint's having a baby in November, so That's um, awesome. Yeah. So we're gonna um not be on the road a lot or not be on the road with Clint a lot during that month, but you know, sure. after the first of the year we'll plan on hitting it pretty hard again. I've gotten a
1: little sneak peek of your album cover. Tell me about that because I happen to super dig it.
2: Oh man, um, this guy Joshua Mark Levy from Asheville, who does amazing album art and posters. He did the uh, the packaging for that Black Crowes record, War Paint, and that yes. of course is is how he 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 got my attention because I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm a pretty pretty big Chris Robinson fan. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I dig I I I that guy a bunch. <laughs> and uh, so so I reached out to Joshua when I knew we wanted to do something a little bit weirder and a little bit less traditional and a lot less Nashville. You know, I told him our story, and he thought it was amazing, and he came and saw us in Nashville, and by the time our set was done, he had already drawn a sketch of what was going to be the cover.
1: Oh. And
2: we all went out to dinner afterwards, and it was the band, uh, minus Clint, because he was still in the hospital. And Rich Mahan was subbing for him. And then Lauren Spratlin came out to tour manage. And we all sat down and Joshua showed this to us. And, and, like, Lauren and I just, like, started crying. And we were just like, yeah, this is going to happen. This is the way it needs to be.
1: That is fantastic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and I couldn't be happier with it. It just looks so weird and so cool. And it's so much different than everything we've done before. And it doesn't have my face on the cover, which is so (laughs) embarrassing. (laughs) <laughs> There's nothing I hate worse than just, like, staring at me while I'm at the merch booth, you know? Like,
1: uh, <laughs> get weird. It. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Oh, that's, that's cool. I, you know, I love talking about album art and that sort of stuff, so it makes me super happy when the album art is a talking piece, especially like this one is.
2: Rob Crowell, who produced our record, has, likes to have fun with Photoshop, and so when I posted the cover for the single online a few, a few weeks ago, Aaron Lee had some comment I was like that's really cool man I was like I think it needs to be more psychedelic and so Rob took a uh, picture of it and put Aaron Lee's face on that that Buddha that's swimming through the ocean and he's like I think I think I figured out how to make it more psychedelic man <laughs> and, mission accomplished <laughs> and, and I and I, I almost wanted to like Put that up as as the single cover. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we put it up on Spotify and iTunes. It's just like, what what's Lee Caston's face doing on that Buddha?
1: (laughs) That would be so funny, and there would be like fifty people out there who would get it, and the rest would be like, what?
2: Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Me, me, and and Rob and Aaron Lee and 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 Todd and Elizabeth would all think it's amazingly funny, and everyone else would be like, what's going on here? (laughs) Terry and I had a birthday a couple of years back and, and we were shooting BB guns in the backyard and he came and that was kind of the first time I got to spend time with him. But like, you know, for the last two years, like ever since that day, he's been one of my very best friends and he's just like the, awesome. so inspirational. Like, you know, whenever I'm kind of worried about whether I'm doing the right thing or if I'm, you know, if I'm being weird enough or whatever, like I, I can just look at him and be like, no, you're not being weird enough, Alan, get weirder. You can do whatever you want. <laughs>
1: That is the best kind of inspiration in this sort of life that there
2: could be. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so thankful for Emily Taschen. man. He's an angel.
1: Alan Thompson, looking forward to Alan Thompson Band's new record, Brace Yourself, and the single that comes out on September 9th. Thanks.
2: Cool. Thank you. Alan Thompson Band's new single, Long Time Thinking, will be available on iTunes, Spotify, and and whatever else is out there these days starting September
0: 9th. Country Fried Rock is a listener-supported program. You make it happen. Thank you. Our 2016 bed music is from the Flat Duo Jets, a live version off of the Athens, Georgia Inside Out compilation. Our Country Fried Rock stinger is from Steve Soto and the Twisted Hearts. Country Fried Rock is distributed to radio stations via PRX, the public radio exchange, at prx.org. Select episodes are also available via Airplay Direct at airplaydirect.com. Country Fried Rock is copyright 2016 by Lilypad Productions. DBA, Country Fried Rock. All rights reserved. he been helping us country fried rock.